bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this week on the show, I have Amanda Lee Walker. And this podcast, as you may know if you're a regular listener, is usually a podcast where I share people's incredible stories of recovery after making the switch to a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. However, I'm incorporating a few differing stories as we go along. There'll always be the majority that are going to remain whole food plant-based transformation stories because that is my own journey and that is work that I'm really passionate about sharing for people like myself who when I was really sick with multiple sclerosis and fibromyalgia and depression and obesity back in my early 20s, this way of eating saved my life. And so many of the guests on this show, I think all but two, now three guests on the show are either doctors and nutritionists or people who have had a radical health transformation as a result of making the switch to a plant-based diet. I recorded this, I think this episode, pretty much in the first week or so of COVID-19 social isolation for our family. And just after I'd met Amanda for the first time at Seven Sisters in early March. The reason why I wanted to have Amanda on the show is, number one, she just radiates warmth and kindness and also is such a force. And I don't know how to explain. You kind of have to hear her speak. She's just someone who, when she has a goal or a vision in mind, is really able to block out the noise and go after her dreams. And that's what I liked and enjoyed most, I think, about hearing her speak. She she has a really wonderful, powerful story herself about her life and her childhood and how she got to where she is now. But where she is now is co-founder of the franchise Lord of the Fries, which is such a pivot on, on what this podcast usually promotes. However, I am a passionate vegan and I do believe that many, many, many people on this planet need to make the switch for the animals, for the planet, and aren't necessarily going to make that switch to a plant-based diet, to a vegan diet, if we say cut out all of their favourite foods, such as McDonald's, Hungry Jack's, all of those junk foods that many, many people rely on really heavily. And Lord of the Fries is a really great gateway to get so many people to realise that vegan food, plant-based food can be delicious. Now, obviously, it's too high in salt, too high in sugar for it to be a health food, but if it makes less animals get eaten, if it inspires people to say, hey, that was blooming delicious, maybe I'll choose that every time I get takeaway. And with so many Lord of the Fries now popping up all over Australia, 
that is a real possibility that people, and it, is a, it isn't just a possibility, it is happening, that people who would, might normally get Hungry Jacks or McDonald's at two in the morning when they're on their way home from a big night out, they're getting Lord of the Fries instead, and that's saving animals. And so I wanted Amanda on the show, obviously not as a vegan health transformation story, but she is an incredible transformation story, a, a story of you know, a child who went through some significant adversity and has gone on to connect with spirituality, to connect with meditation, to really manifest and create something that is purposeful and meaningful and a passion-based business and a passion-based career. Now, again, I know this isn't (laughs) my normal content insofar as low-fat, low-salt, low-processed junk food, but her story is really, really incredible. And if you're just someone who wants to listen to a good story, listen to her wonderful story and to hear her speak, and she has so many insightful and encouraging words of wisdom about her own journey, you know, getting all the way to Lord of the Fries and all of the little paths that she took to get to where she is now. And I find all of that Fight discovering how people's lives unraveled and led to them led them to the places that they are now. So fascinating. And as I said, I met Amanda at the Seven Sisters Festival and she was presenting on basically having a better mindset around money. And that's something that I've always struggled with, with that belief that money doesn't grow on trees, that it's hard to come by, all of these things. And I really benefited from the teachings that Amanda gave us at, during that workshop that she presented there. And I knew that if she'd been able to grow something as big as Lord of the Fries, that she was a really worthy woman of my attention and time. And she is just, you know, she became vegetarian so young and vegan so young and made that connection to the animals and then decided she, you know, she she wanted a business that would not only be profitable, but that would be ethically aligned and congruent with her values and beliefs and and she did it. Like that is tremendous. Most of most, you know, most small businesses, you know, mine right now, <laughs> you know, they they um they don't last. You know, within five years, they're all they're all closed down. It's such a feat to get a small business not only off the ground, but and from just a dream, a hope, and a prayer to become the you know the empire, the legacy that Lord of the Fries has become and continues to become. So I hope that you really enjoy this episode. I am hoping that Amanda will come on again down the track to teach us all how to meditate uh, because, yeah, she's, she's just a wonderful teacher and a wonderful woman and just I'm just so glad that women like Amanda exist. So I hope that you like Amanda as much as I do and enjoy this episode. So thanks for listening. I haven't mentioned COVID-19 because it's just everywhere and a lot. But I am sending you love and please, if you need to, reach out to me, reach out to your family, reach out to your friends, reach out to support services in your area. We have Lifeline here, 131114, open 24-7 for you if you need some support with your mental health at this time. There are other services around, but my uh, I think Beyond Blue is another one, which I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, in Australia, I'm not sure about other other countries in the world, what support services you have. 
But please reach out to me if you're saying I haven't got any support services and I'm really struggling because this is this is a massive time for so many people. And if I can help you find some support services in your area, I'd be happy to just message me or email me because, you know, I'm 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 here for you. I mean, I go when I get away from my own children, I'm here for you. So, if I don't get back to you straight away, it's just that, you know, the kids are here, I'm homeschooling and 24-7 with them at the moment, but I will get back to you. And if I haven't, it may have gone to another mailbox or wherever. So please just try again or try another avenue, my website or try messaging me through Facebook or Instagram. I will get back to you. I don't get back to many. I don't follow Twitter at all. So if you follow me on Twitter, I don't go there. So I'm sorry if that's where you're connecting with me and I'm not responding or LinkedIn. I never look at that either. So Instagram, Facebook, and my website email contact page, you can contact me at if you need some support or if you just want to have a chat, happy to have a chat there. So please don't think that there is no one. I'm I'm here and I'm certain that there's people around you that you can connect to in this time. It's a really hard time for so many and I, my heart goes out to you all if you're struggling send you the hugest hug. I love you all. There's so many positives that can come out of this. And I'm really focusing on those and how this can be an awakening and a paradigm shift for us all. So of course, that comes with an immense place of privilege to feel that way. Because for many, it's just about surviving for the next hour, 24 hours, day, week, weeks before they get evicted or those kinds of things. So I'm aware that it's not all sunshine and roses. It's, it's not even that way for me. A lot of the time I found it very, very heavy off and on, but we're all in this together. And if I can help, let me help. And if you can get a chance to take a pause, to take some deep breaths, to meditate if you can. Insight Time is a great free app with tons of different styles of meditations you can listen to. There's also Headspace app or the Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra 21-day meditation challenge that you can listen to online. Obviously, connecting with nature really, really helps. So if you can go out, even if it's just going out and laying on your backyard lawn, just giving it a hug, taking some deep breaths, hugging a tree, whatever, uh, smelling some flowers, drawing, art, craft, baths, anything that you can do that helps you to relax and feel grounded and calm, do those things. And otherwise, I will say one last thing on this topic, and that is that you can follow Amanda at amandaleewalker.com, Amanda Lee Walker Coaching, Amanda Lee Walker on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. You can she does she's a brilliant business coach and life coach. She's fabulous at the work that she does and you'll hear some of it in this episode, but she is a trained coach and she her work with meditation and her programs with meditation and coaching meditation are really powerful if you want to learn how to more deeply go into that meditation space. Amanda is your woman to head to. So definitely check out Amanda Lee Walker, L-E-I-G-H-W-A-L-K-E-R, coaching and Amanda Lee Walker on the internet. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. 
so that you where you can find her. Otherwise, just check out Amanda, Amanda's story. Thank you, Amanda, for coming on the show. Hello and welcome to the show. Hi, nice to see you. Nice to see you too. I've given you a little bit of an introduction already and as I mentioned in the introduction, I met Amanda at Seven Sisters and I really loved your story. As a vegan, I really love the work that you do. Now, everyone listening, you know me, this is a whole food based podcast, but the reason why, it was many reasons why I wanted Amanda on the show, but part of that is the work that you were doing at Seven Sisters was talking about reframe, I'm just please correct me because I'm it's been a long time and a social isolation so it's it's feels very in the past to me right now I'm talking about having a positive mindset around money and wealth yeah yeah so what I was talking about at seven sisters was looking into trying to understand okay so the context is I work with a lot of women and women in business and women who are in healing businesses and I've noticed a lot of blocks around them wanting to charge or um, being able to create wealth for themselves. So the idea is the more wealth that they can create, well, the bigger they can serve, the more they can contribute. They might make products, podcasts, websites, um, affirmation cards. They may open an academy of learning. You know, there's so many opportunities when you build wealth to create more abundance for other people. So it was basically looking at what's your money story, where do you situate on the scale of abundance versus lack? How can you shift that? What, where do you want to be? So sort of trying to pull up where you actually want to be versus living from an uh, unconscious place that you might have been trapped in programming, which most of us have been. So that was the sort of roundabout money and abundance and re- redefining your relationship there. And I really love that. Firstly, I love that because because you do walk your talk, you know, you've created a business, Lord of the Fries, and and that business, from, from me personally, I am so grateful it exists, as I mentioned to you when I was asking you to come on this show, I'm so grateful it exists for the animals because there's so many people who aren't going to switch from a standard Australian diet or standard American diet, for instance, because lots of American listeners as well, to a whole food plant-based salt oil and sugar-free diet. It's just such a big transition, especially if you haven't had a health crisis. You know, I had a health crisis or I wouldn't have made the switch to a salt oil sugar free diet but i had a significant health crisis that that forced my hand to go that way now i'm very grateful that i am that way but there's millions and bi- literally billions of people who haven't had that health crisis who still need to for the animals and for the planet make the transition to a plant-based diet and they having lord of the fries exist means that many of those the majority of the population, that's a food that it's it's available and the word identify. I think it's it's so good because people. What the word I'm looking for, I'm struggling with. In my opinion, obviously, I feel like people are used to McDonald's, KFC, Hungry Jacks. They find that that's the you know image of takeaway food. That's the first image that pops into your head. Mm, good, very good marketing. Yeah. So having an alternative that looks exactly like the thing and tastes almost exactly like exactly better than the better than the thing it means that so many you, you catch all those people who associate burgers and fries with 
animals and make them eat vegan by almost accident because it doesn't really it's not really obvious that it's vegan in your marketing which is awesome yeah thanks like you don't have to find that when you're a random guy drunk on king street at that's right <laughs> two in the morning but you'll you'll find it if you're if you're a vegan who still likes to have that once in a while yeah and the business we never made it because we love the food <laughs> i mean we love the food so much but we we made it because we love the animals yeah and we wanted to create like a business that was that we could afford to create so we started as a food fan and that also would get a lot of people because we wanted to open, you know, we wanted to do something that was higher volume that we could scale. So that was the best scenario that made sense for us. So the the motivation, we tried sort of looking at organic uh, soups and sandwiches as a proposal for the festivals, which we started in and it just, they didn't really want it. And we tried uh, the idea of crepes and that also didn't really seem to fly so fries, everyone was a big yes. <laughs> Again, I had this mum in the hills and she was saying to me, do I want to go into a business with her running wellness retreats? And then she said, I put a survey out to everyone and they only want wine and cheese retreats. Yeah, they don't want so... a vegan retreat. They don't want a healthy raw vegan or a whole food plant-based retreat. They want to drink wine and just eat eat delicious cheeses together for the weekend she's like so you can come run women's circles or do a cooking class and so I do that but I mean (laughs) the market wasn't there so if the market is there and it saves animals then save the animals yeah that's what that's what I think yeah I mean I, I would love to have amazing salad bar I love that kind of stuff and maybe down the track and Mark and Sam and I talk a lot about different food concepts that's away away from the fried stuff but in the meantime, this is what, what we've got. I'm kind of breaking my – I said two years ago that I was going to rename the podcast and move into interviewing just women that I admire that helped shape me as a woman. But then I didn't do anything because I'm a, ch- <laughs> I was a chicken and I just kept putting out – and I love the sto- I love Hope stories, so that's you know why I've continued doing that because it's just what I love. But now I really want to include other other way, other – other ideas and ways of living that have helped me to to be healthy in my mind, body and spirit rather than just through diet alone. And so Amanda, thank you for coming on the show because your work and especially your work in, well, it is empowering in mindset, in thinking, in meditation, in all these areas as a, as a coach. I, I really think is beneficial and that's why I was really excited. All of this is why I was really excited to have you on the show. So just give us a bit about your background. How did you get here? How did you get to Lord of the Fries Empire and where you are now? Thanks for asking. So in brief, I, I've come from Canada and I, I had been there for many years. I don't know how, how complicated to get into the story, but I'll, we'll just push through it in a, in a sort of speedy way. Just to clarify, like I'm happy if you if you're if you're happy with time to go a little bit over an hour, then it's totally fine with me. Like that's fine. But it's just if you want to race off at five past twelve, then it's up to you. Thank you. Okay. So basically, yeah, I was born in Canada and had a pretty normal life. Well, I get it seemed normal at the time. I had a very young mum, a very young dad. And uh, they got together and divorced very early. And they were sort of swapping me custody. And 
um, I was living between Toronto and Oakville. And eventually my mom got custody of me and my birth father moved away. And then I went to school in Oakville and started creating a life there. My mom remarried to a wonderful guy named Michael and who adopted me. So he's my dad. And we lived together and everything seemed to be pretty good until high school started. And that's when um, I think some of the early childhood trauma started to really resurface. So, yeah, it doesn't go away. It, it comes out some way, doesn't it? It comes out in any kind of form. And mine came out behaviorally and self-esteem. So I started to, well, I guess around you know, 13 or 14, I started to drop a lot of the friends that had been really good to me and there for me and create a new different patch of really good friends that, that were also there for me, but they were more similar to me in that they felt lost. You see, my birth father, he moved away and, and didn't talk to me again. So I had abandonment happening there, which was a sticky sort of awkward thing that I don't really know the backstory, but he was gone. And so I looked for these friends that were just, we were looking for trouble. We were looking to get in trouble. And I look back now and I see that the things I was doing, like running away and staying up late and getting involved in group stealing and breaking into mailbox, uh, paper boxes with magnets. That's a long story. <laughs> but um, all these things I was doing, I guess, I, I think I feel like I was trying to get my parents to reject me because I felt so rejected and I was rejecting myself. So I was looking to really validate the fact that I thought I wasn't lovable and I thought I wasn't worthy because of the first father leaving anyways so that went pretty intense and uh was you know involved me getting kicked out of school quite a lot and my parents shifted me well gave me a choice I could either keep running away and I they'd lock the door and I'd probably have to go to jail or into government custody or they would put me in a group home so they put me in a group home which that was my choice and um I started to get some real perspective there with the other kids um, who had much less opportunity than I had. Um, some of them didn't even have parents or they had parents that were, you know, in, in drugs and alcohol or parents that couldn't afford to take care of them or parents that had left. All kinds of scenarios that were really different to mine. And I think it was through that with counseling, you know, because, of course, we had counseling like, all the time there. Um, I think it started to shift my feelings from my sort of selfish feeling of self-destruction into being able to be empathetic for, for them and to start to learn to look outside myself and tap into love instead of fear. Mm. It's really interesting and it really fills my heart with hope. When, I've heard, when I heard your story, it's this part of your story at Seven Sisters, well, for me, I worked in child protection for only briefly really a year and a half but it's like dog years child protection so like that's like working in it for 15, <laughs> for 15 yeah, years for real. but I remember this dad calling me one day saying similar to your parents saying like this daughter's out of control she doesn't listen and in Australia I, I the resi residential care for youth residential care and I know that there's lots and lots of great things there and tools there but for us most of the time for many, many kids, when they go into residential care, they, they meet other kids with 
who 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 are further down the line in far as far as drugs, the stealing, alcohol, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, all these things, and they often it often is more difficult for the for for young people to leave. And so when this dad said to me, you know, can you take my child and put her in residential care? I said, look, if you want your child to come out fixed. Like us to take her and for her to come out better, like it's very, very unlikely. So I love hearing your story because in your instance, that you were supported to grow and develop in that setting, which is no, I never thought of it like that. That's that's amazing. I never thought that it could go the other way, but you're right. It's like jail. When you put people in jail, they learn how to be better criminals. Yeah, they can. That's one path. It's one path. path. Yeah. So yeah. your path is one that I haven't heard. I've heard the opposite many, many times. So this is a new, a new option, an option that I didn't really think of, which is really, which is really exciting and and hopeful. Oh, that's good. That's great. Yeah, I, I started to like really hang out with the counselors and try try to learn from them. I loved what they were saying and. I, found it very interesting. And because of what we were talking about before we pressed record, we were saying how it's easy to change who you are sometimes if you're removed from your usual setting. So by putting me in a different home, in a different suburb, I think I was able to let go of that identity that I had been upholding like a rebel bad girl or what have you. I was able to grow into like loving leadership role kind of thing. Yeah. So that's what we were also talking about is this sort of self-quarantine or forced quarantine, depending on where you add on the coronavirus spectrum, is an opportunity to grow into who you want to be because you have a break from the normal. Most of us do. Mm. Yeah. I think that that is definitely, before we press record, we were talking about what's happening globally here. And it is, like Amanda brought up, that it is a real opportunity to rediscover who we need to be now. So did you want to talk more about that? Mm, Yeah, I'll come back. I'll just quickly tie up the Lord stuff. So I finished from the group home and went back to my normal high school. And this is where the plant-based stuff comes in. Uh, I think I was 17 and we had an environmental studies class and it was the first one that they that they had ever held across the country like the first year that it had been considered important to study the environment and um, we all got given an assignment so my assignment was to teach the class about animal husbandry which is the process of making uh, animals into food and it was so absolutely brutally shocking I was living really in that state of ignorance um, I had no, I had never really put the pieces together that the, the food that I'm eating comes from an animal had to be killed for me to eat it. I just didn't think about it until, till then. And it was a rude awakening. Even the term animal husbandry, like it's such yeah. a bizarre yeah. term. It is a, it's a, it's a, it's yeah, like, what is that even? But, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, continue. I, I don't, that's so for a, for a ch- young person to hear that terminology and then go down that rabbit hole of what it means, like how was it for how was how were you affected by that? Oh, I was shocked. I was so shocked and really blew my mind. And it made me see like what the hell else is happening that I don't know about. 
what else is going on? What is with this food pyramid? I couldn't believe it. And then I started seeing all these other food pyramids that the vegetarians had created. And I thought, what? This is the, everything is sort of bullshit, what we're learning. There's whole other dimensions of reality here that other people are talking about. So it really changed my view. And I felt very empowered. I became a vegetarian right away. One of the girls did her project on vegetarianism. And I'm pretty sure she's still a vegetarian. I know there was three of us that became vegetarian that year. And this was like 92 or something like that. And um, yeah, it was it was just really disturbing. But uh, my parents quickly, they were very supportive. At the same time, I would have to justify why I wanted them to cook me vegetarian or I had to cook for myself. My dad kept asking, like, if you can really explain this with conviction, I'll do it for you. But if this is just a trend or a fad, I'm not going to bother cooking a separate meal for you because it's really not fair. So he was pretty intense about it. But also they were very firm about not me not to judge them with their eating choices. So I think that when you look at what Lord of the Fries looks like, I think it's a reflection of that, yes, you know, yeah. that sort of like accepting what other people are doing and just sort of doing our own thing in a low key way. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, yeah. interesting. that's really interesting. I, I love that you're like, my parents aren't so like they are supportive of me, very supportive of me, but they still find, you know, the veganism thing can be a bit of a challenge, especially when I'm talking about it from an animal rights perspective and not a health perspective, because they're all for me doing it for my multiple sclerosis and chronic illness, but they're, they're much more, they're farmers and they're much more conditioned for animals just to be food, you know. Uh, animals are our, our possessions, you know. They're, they're, they love animals, but they just have this, you know, the conditioning is very, very, very strong. And so I really love actually when you say that your dad wanted you to formulate a proper, like a critical, a critical essay, basically argument about, about why you are. Because I think that that's actually a really, really, smart with any decision that your kids make like to get them to actually articulate it and vocalize it in a like it's actually a really wow you're making me feel big dad love at the moment well I think it's a really wise thing to do like if you came home and had any other made any other decision in your life and you're just it was flippant and had him had had a parent that would say I'll support you but you have to give me really good reasoning Mm. like yeah it puts it back on the kids to really to really look at what their behavior is and say, you know what, yeah. like, like, wow. at, like doing the argument, he's asking you to formulate an argument for veganism and there's so many, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many. Mm-hmm. There wasn't hard. It would have accidentally just reinforced your, posi- <laughs> your position in, in that text. But if you were coming home saying, you know, I'm really hooked on ice and I love it, can I do ice at home? And he said the same thing and you went away trying to formulate a good re- argument why you should be smoking ice at home, you would le- you'd learn the opposite. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's a really good tool to give your kids this, I respect you, go f- go do the research and come back to me mm. and we'll talk yeah. about it. For other listeners, it, it reminds me of what my friend Bridget was talking to me about in Canada who had a son who, who was looking at vaping. That's a very big thing in Canada, people vaping, especially now with the marijuana legal and all that. And I think it had tobacco... Anyways, she she was saying to him, like, you're of a certain age where you can buy a vape and you can do that, but I, I you need to do your research. 
and like, tell me why it's good for you. Tell me why you, you're going to do this. So anyways, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good thing to do. I think it's really great. I think it's good for parents to really, I, I, I hadn't really thought of doing that until you said me, that me neither <laughs> and now we will <laughs> and now we will because it does give you i liked as a child and i think you and i have very had very similar from what you've said i really relate to your attitude as a teenager where i i not a little not so much because obviously i didn't push back as hard with my with my parents and and didn't have the same trauma as you with your father but i mean i liked i like to know why all the time like, why shouldn't I? And don't just tell me because I said so. And there's many kids out there who I think are wanting some to, to be, rather than be told don't do drugs, don't have sex before when you're young, don't do these things for some arbitrary nothing reason because author- authorities like your pa- our parents and teachers have said not to. I really wanted someone to have a proper discussion and educate me on, on it properly. Do you know what I mean? Like really have an open dialogue. And so... I think it's really meaningful uh, what your parents did because they gave you the permission to respect your decision if you'd gone out and done the research and found out why for yourself. Mm, that's right. And doing the research and ha- choosing something bigger than I was, such as vegetarianism at the time, um, that veganism didn't wasn't didn't cross my mind at that time. It was just didn't wasn't even in the research that I was doing really there's like fruititarians but anyways um it started like just having something bigger than myself to focus on I think also really pulled me in line got me much more interested in school and then I started seeing really good results in school and getting a lot of praise for being good instead of getting in a lot of trouble yeah it was really cool and then the friendships started to shift and you know, some of them sort of just, we just didn't relate anymore. And some of them came with me, well, my my best friend. And yeah, so having something bigger, a purpose, I think that really helped pull me out of that, what do they call pain body, that sort of vacuum of self-destruction. And I uh, made it out of high school and then um, made it to university, went to University of Toronto. Which is incredible. It's incredible. Congratulations. Yes, such a thank you. Such a good uh, experience. And my parents helped support me to do that. Well, they paid. So there's 100% support there. But I got in with my, you know, my own merit. And um, yeah, I did women's studies, sociology and philosophy minor. And that was amazing. And did some vegetarian stuff in, in my studies. Started to really get into More of that, like looking beneath the surface, you know, looking into the patriarchy and marketing and socialization and programming and what is happening below the surface, just like I found that whole vegetarian movements happening, started to find other things and uh, still very interested in that. What's on the the underlayers, you know? Yes. And we, when you're saying this, one of the things that came to me was like that, 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 that vegetarianism was such a, like people talk about, I think it's Simon Sinek talk about the power of why. Is it called oh, the power yeah. of why? Yeah, um, what's your why, I what's, think, yeah. Starting with why, that's it. Yeah. Why? Why? And I mean that f- listening to you and your story is like that, and for me going vegan, like when I was doing this for just my health, just for my own health, 
it was so easy to cheat because I'm just cheating on me and all the self-loathing and all the things that come with that. But when you're when you realize that to cheat is cheating on the animals, you know, to have that underlying foundation and then to want to be the best version of yourself so that you can reach and and help more animals or help more help the planet in a greater way. Like that why with the animals is 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 something when people talk to me, how could you go, how can you eat, you know, broccoli for dinner? (laughs) You know, how can you eat Mm -hmm. vegan? And I'm just like, it's not about me anymore. When I took the me away and it became about something bigger than me, it, it changed everything. And when we were talking before about mindset before the show started recording, returning to that why for me is is something that I have to do whenever I get stuck in uncertainty and fear and helplessness. Oh, yes, yes. And that's also a good, we use that a lot in our business as well. Um, So, for example, if things go tough, where there's certain periods that are rocky, such as now, we hold on to the why. We don't worry that much about what is happening but we worry about well why are we doing it and how can we make it work Mm, it's a the why is the anchor to all things in fact you might ask yourself why do you do many things everything there's always a why and then you might explore whether that why really connects to what you want it to or it could be connecting to parts of yourself that are that are that need some attention. Yes, yes. And so just continuing on. So from women's studies, how did you end up getting to Lord of the Fries? Okay, getting closer. <laughs> so um, basically, I did finished um, university and started doing a, a lot heaps of self healing, which was amazing. So got a huge let's say started to learn about manifestation but but not knowing that's what it was called but just starting to see that whole stuff working and starting to see that if I lean into my feelings and if I lean into courage well paths open up for me like really good stuff sort of starts to move in my sphere and um, so after university I had you know, like many, the the opportunities are endless when you have no um, actual skills. <laughs> it's just arts degrees. So I went into film, the film industry, and that didn't wasn't really flowing. There was lots of things there that I that didn't uh, make the flow happen. So I thought, okay, what do I like? I like to travel. I love traveling. I love people. Um, so and I love making money to to be transparent I, I love it I like being able to buy stuff it's fun and I like just to be able to travel do you need money for that so yeah so I thought okay what am I going to do well look teaching English was really big this was like 2000 um, teaching English overseas was massive so I did the TESOL certification teaching English as a second language and then I picked between Japan Taiwan and Korea were the three countries that you could make money and uh, Taiwan seemed to have a huge Buddhist population, so I knew there'd be a lot of vegetarian food, and it looked very small on the map compared to other places. And also, it seemed to be like a pretty sweet uh, government, com- you know, comparatively. It just seemed to fit in with my my values. I thought Japan would be too strict for me. I would, I don't, I can't follow rules that well, so I'd probably get kicked out. So I thought Taiwan, yes. And uh, so I went to Taiwan with um, with really no idea like where I was going to teach, where I'd stay, who I'd meet, what's going to happen. But because by that time I had forged like a really strong sense of faith, I just knew if I go, I'll find everything I need. 
And um, that happened. So I found an amazing job uh, with a wonderful accommodation and teaching kids at Montessori. And I got a job at the Women's uh, University teaching English. And it was just like really cool. And I was there for about almost uh, three years in total. But after two years, I was ready to leave. And um, I was also single at the time. I had been single for a long time because I still wasn't able to have a really good functioning, thriving relationship with anyone. So I just chose, you know what, I'm going to be single till I find someone that's really good for me. And I hadn't found anyone. And trust me, I'd been looking. Yeah. And I was just like, nope, nope, nope. But I really like when people, sorry to interrupt, but I really love when people do take time rather than oh, settling. Yeah. Like, I know my brother, he's 40, well, I'm just talking about him on the, on the podcast. But anyway, you know, he used to always say to him, why are you single? Like, it's from sure you're, you're a catch. And he'd say, <laughs> he was super confident and not like me at all, but he would always say, babe. I love myself and I love myself so much. <laughs> I just don't need someone in my life who isn't amazing. Like they have to be more amazing than me. And which is really rare. And it sounds like yeah, we joke cool. about it. But and then he when he did, like he waited until he was in his forties and he met this man who's fucking amazing. Mm. And he waited and he could have settled yeah. and he could have We you don't know, need to settle. But he yeah. found this perfect man and he is amazing and they they, they, look, they look like brothers. It's I'm kind so of gross happy. when they stand together <laughs> and hug. <laughs> but it's lovely and I think I love when people wow. do say that they took a long time because sometimes yeah. why would you want to wait? Why would you want to settle and get something a love that's not no. amazing? And, you know, I did it very consciously. And as I told you before, uh, lots of things were starting to happen. And I was really on that conscious path of just saying no. If it, if it wasn't 100% yes, I would just say no. I had just been telling this woman about it and all this stuff. And I moved into a new house and I picked my room and I opened the window and there was like a ring there, like an engagement ring. And I was like, it's for me, <laughs> for me to me. And uh, I wrote to the woman. I was like, I found this ring. She's like, I've never seen it before. I've lived there for four years. So I kept it. Then I put it on my ring finger and I was like, married to me. And, you know, it was awesome. It was good. And then I was never. Yeah. Anyway, so I was going to leave. And the interesting part is some girls asked me uh, if you had how you know you're still single what kind of guy would you like to meet and I made a list out of interest wrote it all down and then I presented it to Jessica and her sister and I was like oh he'd be like this that this that and uh, then a couple days later they told me they're hiring a new teacher at the school I was going to leave and it was a man and so I, I said I must meet him so I can talk to him and see if he's worthy of the children I've been with for two years and um, I met him and he and we went to have a juice together, which was interesting because I was expecting him to like want to meet at a bar, but want to meet at the juice shop. And he pulled out of his bag spirulina. <gasps> <laughs> I can see your face. What a, what a catch. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Not everyone even knows what that is. So I was so happy you do. So that's what I was like, exactly like that. And then he had the spirulina and then he told me he's a vegetarian. I was like, what? And then I went to his house and he had my favorite book. And then we sat at a table and he it had our, my favorite number. And just What's was your like favorite weird, book? You know, uh, well, it was my favorite book at yeah. this time. Yeah, yeah. It was the um unbearable lightness of being oh that is a good book it's a good book yeah and I loved it I loved it and I've tried to read it lately because I thought you know I wonder if I still love it but I don't think I'm on that that's different frequency now but I loved it at the time yeah. I loved his writing Milan Kundera it was amazing but anyhow 
Yeah, so it's anyways, we fell in love and uh, we we left Taiwan together and we want to create a, a vegetarian business together because we wanted to create, we wanted to do something about the animals. Yes. So we came up with a lot of different ideas and the best idea was a restaurant, but without much money, we bought a food van instead. And as I told you, we tried different concepts. We didn't like totally, we tested them, but we didn't like create businesses. We called places and said, oh, we have a crepe van, we have a soup van, we have this, this and that. And we didn't get the hit. So then we researched and we got the fries idea um, came to us through research. And plus Canada has a lot of fry trucks and we love French fries. And a lot of the fries were made of beef. You, you remember that period in time when fries were made of beef tallow? Yes. Yeah. So even it was hard to get fries for vegetarians. And we were 27. So we, we also cared like a lot. We, we didn't, we, I, I could eat more fries then let's just say. <laughs> so it, it was fine. And, um, yeah, we just, we started this little food bin and we named it Lord of the fries. That was Sammy Mark's brother's idea. We, we had like a brainstorm session and he picked the name. It's such we a tested good name. All, I love yeah. It's name. such a good name. I'm so happy about it. And we tested all these different fries. Like we bought a little fryer for our kitchen and tested them all out and tested the sauces. Then we went out on the market and it was so busy and it's just grown from that. And Sammy joined the business. So it's me and Mark and Sam. And um, that's what we do. That's what we've been doing for 15 years now, opening stores. And now we're vegan. We used to be vegetarian and it's been about five years since we're vegan. And we have 28 stores and some in New Zealand. Stores. Congrats. That is massive. I'm just giving you a clap. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That is massive. Especially when you both did, did, did Mark, is that the name? Yeah. Mark is the husband. Yeah. Sam is the brother. And he's also vegetarian. So, oh, wow. But now we're all vegan. We've all been vegan. So it's pretty amazing. It's amazing. It's really but, good. But did I, any of you have a business background? No. No. It's Mark amazing. studied hospitality. Yeah, I know. This He did hospitality management and other things. Yeah. Like youth, youth work. And Sammy did animation. And I, um, no, I just did like so many things. So we just we just worked it out. Yes. And I love that. And and because it is something that a lot of people have a little idea, you know, and then yeah. making an idea go from being a pipe dream around the dining table or at the when you're on holidays, a lot of couples, you know, we all get these big ideas when we're on holidays and then we go home and we do back to our jobs and we just don't we just don't do them. So to take that risk and and then and scale a business that's grown as big as Lord of the Fries, it takes so much faith and hope and belief and courage. Yeah, and why. And why. It takes so much yeah. why. And it's just such a testament to you and everything that you've gone through and and both of you, all three of you. It's just incredible. Thanks. And you know what? You know, obviously this corona has made things unstable and I believe everything will rise up. But I want to say that no matter what happens, I'm not attached to, to that business in such a way that I'll always find another way to do what I need to do to make this world a better place for myself and others. So if it's not the fries, then it will be something else, you know? So my purpose isn't necessarily in that, in that, which I do, it's who I am and it's who we all are. So if our jobs are gone or that doesn't mean that there's, that we, we might have lost that vehicle for our 
to to create change, but we just have to keep looking for something else because the the power is in us, not in that thing. Mm. And I tell myself that a lot. <laughs> so I I love that, and I I'm very much thinking that too. And it's interesting because I often when like for instance. Animal farmers that are involved in animal agriculture, you know, people will say to me, like my dad, for instance, he might say, oh, people stop buying milk, you know, your cousin's dairy farms will go bankrupt. And I always just say, well, Blockbuster went bankrupt and no one was crying for them. And, you know, people who, there's so many, like Blockbuster, like people who make Walkmans, you know, everything ends and you have to be willing to go with the flow, like the water in a river, you know, you have to move around the rocks. You can't just hit a rock and stop. Yeah. You find something else. Yeah. You find another way. So I love what you're saying because I do think that that's something that I think my mum made me, and I've mentioned this in this podcast before, but years and years ago, my mum lent me a little tiny book called Who Moved My Cheese. Have you ever read this book? Yeah, I I. I think I've read it in Taiwan, actually. I remember Justin, my roommate, had it. Yeah, people love that book. People love it. Well, it wasn't like, because it's such an easy read. You know, it takes two seconds. It's tough. I think it's got maybe 20 pages. It's not very big. But it for me, I like it because it just is comical how often you see it in hum- humanity where people are, and right now we're in that situation where we're like, our cheese pile is gone. You know, all, all the ways we had of making money and of existing has been suddenly removed. And we can either sit there and grieve the cheese or we can be like the mice and go look for more cheese. It's yeah. um, it's just a simple message, but it is something that I always, when it, when the shit hits the fan, I always think, what, Karina, are you going to sit here and grieve the loss of your cheese pile or are you going to keep looking for the next pile of cheese <laughs> you know? yeah and we can do the two things at the same time like grieve a little bit yes, okay of course. it's because mm. change is uncomfortable yeah. but yeah definitely keep looking and that makes me think of what you said at the beginning of the podcast how you were sort of putting off re- pivoting your podcast a little bit mm. but now you have pivoted yes so that's you also looking for more cheese different you know, and this isolation, did that have anything to do with your... Well, yeah, I guess. Well, I just, I think turning 40 made me just mm. think, you know what, I hope that, I think that people who I find interesting as humans, that my listeners might find interesting as humans too. And like, I love plant-based recovery stories because they are what has helped me they have helped solidify my why. They reinforce it every week and I hope that they reinforce that hope for anyone who's listening living with chronic disease. Each week they get a new reminder, a new episode to go, oh, okay, that's that's my reinforcing that why within them. You know, I'm doing this because look at these people. They went from being blind or went from having severe lupus or gangrene to being able to live and thrive. I... I want that for myself. I want that long, that longevity of life. I want that thriving feeling. I want that energy. I want what they have. And it's possible if I, if I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. But I also realize that like 80% of our health might be in our gut microbiome, but that 20%, which is joy and love and stress reduction and mindfulness med- meditation and grounding and exercise and all those things and there's so many factors in that 10% that in- increase our 
my brain is paused, but like <laughs> increase our vitality. Our yeah, hope. well, increase our enjoyment of life and make yeah. us want to live. If we have no yeah. want to live because it's stressful and hard and we're sad and we're not sleeping properly and we can't manage our emotions and we're not emotionally intelligent and we're fighting with people all the time and we're struggling and I think that 20% is really important and I think that there's inspiration in lots of different places and so that's where I wanted to pivot. And when I turned 40, I just thought, you know what? fuck it, I've waited a really long time thinking that it might be unlikable or unfavorable to add these voices in these stories to the show. But I think that it's, when am I going to then? You know, I'm, I'm a mortal being and yeah, I want to share these <laughs> stories. So oh, when's going to be the day that it's the right time to do it? There's mm. no good day. So just, just do it. Well, I'm happy you included me. I'm Thank really you. happy to have you on the show and share, hear your story. I, don't, I know you might not have time because your kids are doing work as well and my kids are trying to be quiet for me too. But uh, before we go, let's talk about your work and the work that you're doing now as, alongside Lord of the Fries. Yeah, so Lord of the Fries is one thing. And uh, b- basically I ha- about five years ago started professionally studying coaching so, uh, and that sort of led me to tie everything that I've learned in my life together through all of that abandonment process and, and self-esteem and spirituality and all that jazz. So now I work with uh, m- mainly women about uh, on their healing path and reframing their m- mindset and breaking through some of the conditioning that they feel stuck in. And we do work together we do I do a lot of inner child healing which is my uh super favorite modality yes I see your smile I love inner child healing but can you explain to people what that kind of oh yeah in like a little bite size yeah yeah that's it's very powerful so how okay basically there's insight the the way that I look at it is that if we've ex- we've experienced a lot in our lives and there are certain points in our life where something happens and we, we make it a meaning about it like, about us that something's wrong with us or and and then the, the child sort of inside of us there's like this sort of inner child concept that the child still feels that pain and uh, is always sort of trying to cover from it so that pain manifests in really strange behavior as an adult but it's basically the child's pain that is being um, directed through the present. So like I said, as a teenager, that really wasn't the teen. I wasn't very conscious of why I was acting so weird, but I was really feeling driven to, to destroy and to destruct. I was so hurt deep inside in a way I didn't even know was still present. I mean, I thought nine years, it's been nine years or it's been, you know, you'd think I'd be over it, but I wasn't. So the inner child experience is sort of when we go in and we look and see what's there, how's she, how's she feeling? How can we support her? How can we claim her and love her and sort of save her and hear her in a way she's never been heard before? And how can we hold her and connect that child to our present self? And it's very powerful, very transformative, and it's so loving and uh, it's wonderful. So we do a lot of that. And I also teach meditation, which we talked about as well. So it's a sort of being technique, which um, it's a very natural, effortless. Re- it's about, it's a relationship between you and yourself and what's behind your thoughts in a nutshell. It's very powerful. Yeah. No, that's about it. 
that's that's about it. So if anyone wants to get in touch, they I'm happy to send them anything, a guided meditation. I've got different worksheets about creating a daily practice to support yourself uh, in the mind, body, spirit. I'm really excited because I've been doing, I normally do just either my own, like an insight timer with the bells or um, a, a Reiki healing to myself, or I um, do just a quick uh, headspace, 10 minute meditation, but I've been doing the Deepak Deepak Chopra and Oprah 21 day meditation that they're running at the moment, which is hope in uncertain, hope for uncertain mm. times. It's so good. It's really, really, really great. It's like it's perfect for right now. But what one thing that struck me about a recent post of yours on social media was, oh, no, I think it was a message to me actually, um, was that your style, your teacher was Deepak's teacher, teacher and those meditations that he does are so beautiful and so when you said that your teacher was his teacher I was like oh wow like your te- your meditation teacher teachings I'm certain will be so beneficial to so many people oh I hope so it's the same lineage that he's studied from in my teachers. so what is that lineage so it's uh what is it called well it's from the 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 teacher bef- the teacher that I'm talking about is Maharishi Mahashyogi oh wow and it's uh, basically being termed transcendental meditation, but it, it wasn't always called that. But it's a, it's, a, it's a being meditation where you must just sit, and it's very effortless, it's very natural. You get a mantra, and, and you silently go back to your mantra. When thoughts come in, you, there's no concentration, there's no force, there's no trying to control it's very gentle and it works on the mind and the body. It's, it feels to me like talks of your thoughts. Your thoughts just sort of pass, your body unstresses, and the results are with consistent and consistency and commitment, you start to feel just more amazing. You feel you can cope with life's troubles. You can feel loved for people that you may not have felt before you feel more energized because you're meant to do it twice a day so you have much more natural energy that's not coming from cocaine or caffeine or what have you yeah it's a beautiful it's just tapping into the this universal field unified field of energy which we all come from are the mantras in sanskrit or english yeah or... they're in sanskrit oh wow so they're in sanskrit in this the 21 day meditation challenge as well and it's beautiful language and it's such a beautiful there's such beautiful mantras to repeat to yourself yeah if that's a great challenge i've also done this one but the you i i i'm not i'm deepak brings something to it because he's also got oprah yeah <laughs> and they're doubled up there it's pretty good <laughs> I can't say it's going to be the same power, but look, I'm here. I'm an actual person you can talk to. Yeah, good luck getting no, on a call I, with Deepak. I really think that it's really beneficial, and I'm excited to actually connect with you further and and work with you on learning it my learning it more myself, more deeply myself. I think that's the, yeah. the depth is where I'm where I'm wanting to go because I do it a practice because I have two kids and I am a 
stress stress head anxious person and so that's just my maintenance dose of meditation for the day yeah good but i think that the deepening is what i would what i would like to do and on that before we hang up i just wanted to while we're in this really stressful time for me it's all about trying to find tools for my tool belt that help me manage the mental and emotional load obviously financial load, but I mean, in in this instance of this podcast, the mental and emotional load of these uncertain times, and we've mentioned meditation, but what are other things that you would recommend for your people, anyone listening, of how to kind of navigate this this period of social isolation and uncertainty? Okay, thanks for asking. My go-to is creating a daily practice for myself that involves more than meditation. So that involves I have sort of like a chart and Monday to Friday and the things on the side and I commit to doing these things is putting myself first before anyone or anything else. So I have a meditation, as you know, I have some mindfulness. So in this time, my mindfulness is to, to write something really good about the day that I'm looking forward to, like who I need to be this day. Then I have some sort of exercise practice that I do that can go anywhere from five minutes to 45 minutes, but twice a day. And then I make myself send um, something, a nice message to one person a day to tap into love, like out there. I love that. Yeah, it feels good. And then the last thing is, is that I try to eat really consciously um, every day of the week and have one night with my husband where we sort of do, we order an Astralis pizza or Lord of the Fries or something like that. So it's like a schedule to keep me in my power that I follow. And I do the first section before the kids wake up and this and other stuff scattered throughout the day. So basically I created my own anchor. So you know how change is happening all around us? This daily practice is like my anchor. And I always feel better after I do it. And I always feel worse when I don't do it. And everyone will have their own version of what those things are. Mm. I think that this this is a really great te- lesson for, for, for everyone. But I think for mums out there, because I feel like so much of us have been told now to work from, try to work from home whilst homeschooling, whilst parenting. There's a lot of like, how can we do it all? And people trying to do it all and struggling and then putting all of their own self-care on the back because they have now their their children's education on the forefront and their work, if they can manage to work from, I'm putting in air quotes, from home, which is almost impossible <laughs> when you have two children at home. <laughs> so prepare, women who are trying to do their work at home now whilst having their young children at home or their adolescent children at home, we're trying to put all these things on our plates all of a sudden that are just un unrealistic that we can yeah. that we can we, that we can manage them and so we put like so many women I've seen who are resort you know just binging on sugary foods to get through and coffee and comfort eating and they put their exercise away because there's just no time to do it and this is the best time to yeah. really make sure that we are doing them it's the most important time we've had I think to make sure we are putting on our oxygen masks first because yeah. in my own family and if I don't go out and do my daily practices of exercise mindfulness journaling uh, meditation if I don't do them every everything else pays a price the, the price yeah. of me not exactly doing it. 
yeah, you don't feel well, a bit more edgy with your kids, not present, um, tired. Yeah. But something always has to give. Like for me, the thing that gives is sleep. So, or nighttime enjoyment. So I'll go to bed a little bit earlier so that I can wake up earlier so I can do these things. And I'm not hard on myself if I don't do them, but some of the parts are not negotiable. Some of them I only do three days a week. Some of them I do all seven. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and making one that works for you and your family. If you're listening and you're like, oh, I can't do all of those things because my husband's at work still, but I'm still doing all this at home by myself. As a man, don't beat yourself up. Just try and if you have to get up 20 minutes before the kids or half an hour, half an hour before the kids just to do a 10-minute meditation and 10 minutes of stretching yeah, or 10 minutes exactly. of journaling just, or go to bed earlier or turn off Netflix 20 minutes earlier or however it works for you, even if it's not any of those things, but it's something that just brings you joy, like we need joy and love in this world. That's if it's just right. sending that loving text that takes like two minutes of your time. That might be the only thing you can do for that day, but it's still a beautiful contribution to helping somebody else who's going to receive that text to feel slightly better in this time as well. Yeah, and it feels so good to write it too. <laughs> feels so good to just write from your heart anything. I know, I know. It's I do find it funny when people like get the message and they haven't had anyone write that kind of thing to them before, like my parents-in-law. <laughs> I pour my heart out to my parents-in-law every now and again and like they're like write back this thank you very much. <laughs> You're very much. We appreciate you. <laughs> and, I, and I love them. But like, I'm just a bit too much with my love pouring for, mm. for, for, for them to cope with. Thank you so much, Amanda. So the last thing I want to say, what would be your three biggest tips to people as they're in isolation? Yeah. Okay. Uh, mind, body, spirit. Find a practice for all of those things. That could be three tips, but I've been thinking a lot this morning about like, not using the past as a reference for the present. So if you're trying to like look at what your life looks like this time versus what it was like last two weeks ago, well, that that's going to create a gap. So try to create what you want to do from now forward instead of, you know, feeling that better to just surrender to what is. I guess that's what I want to say. Yeah, surrender. I love that. I love that. That is awesome. Thank you. So people Thank can you. find you, follow you online where? So I've got a website that I just quickly made. Awesome. Um, I know. Well, I didn't even make it a wonderful woman. Stacy from Barefoot Brand Branding made it for me because she's like, girl, you need this. Yeah, so she made awesome. it. It's com, And um, I'm on Amanda uh, Instagram and Amanda Lee Walker Coaching Facebook. So lots of different ways. And Amanda at lordofthefries.com.au and just like scream Amanda and I will listen. Okay. All right. Well, I am definitely going to be calling you because I love your work and the work that you're doing on the planet. And Thank you. It's mutual. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope that, yeah, that this all continues to unfold in ways that are really positive for you and there's yeah, so many there's many you. lessons that are wonderful for you and your family thank in you time. you too thank you thank, thank you so much for coming on the show you're welcome i'll speak to you soon thank you so much amanda for coming on the show don't forget to find amanda at amanda lee walker on social media at her website all of that information is in the show notes so head over there 
to find Amanda. Sorry if that was a bit of a ramble. As I said, we are in COVID-19. We were in deep and we still are. I still am anyway. Can't speak for Amanda, but deep in COVID-19 haze when we recorded this episode and I am still mushy and I can only liken how this is for me to being pregnant when everything feels heightened and you're going between just these emotions about society and violence and grief and despair and hopelessness and everything feels so raw and real. A Kleenex ad makes made, used to make me want to cry and and now I think I'm back there again. And then you also, when you're pregnant, you're noticing all the wonder and the magic and you can feel your baby moving and you can imagine the meeting them and you have all these dreams and aspirations for your unborn child and the life that they might have with you and the flowers they might see and the smiles they might have and your just, heart is just overflowing with wonder and excitement and and there's that too. So this is like that to me. It's like when you're like, oh, my gosh, imagine if, you know, in India, where my father-in-law grew up in Jalanda in India, they can see the Himalayas now for the first time in decades. Imagine if that could continue and they're loving seeing that and having that peace and seeing that, those mountains and like imagine if that could continue and imagine the stillness and all the families that you see now connecting with nature and walking and walking. And you see, I see them walking in the forests and places that I used to exercise that used to be just me and nature. Now there's more families there, so many more. Sometimes the car park is full. And I think I'll imagine if all those families continue spending time together in nature and walking and experiencing the trees and the animals and the breezes and the sunshine and the sunshine. That's amazing. Imagine if more people are cooking at home together and staying together around a table or playing board games and reading stories and and what the children in this time how this experience will impact them as they grow into adults. Having that connection with their families. Now as I said, the flip side when you're pregnant is, is all the fears and the worries and the, the ick that come with that heightened sense of emotions. And that's happening now too with so many, for so many. And so as I said at the beginning, please check out Lifeline 131114 or go to your GP and call your GP and book a medical consult just if you're talking about your mental health and how things are going for you. Uh, Centrelink here in our country is fairly hopeless and things still take freaking ages longer than what you would think when there's a pandemic and you need money right now because most of us live week to week. So I would say head to Centrelink, just get it out the way if you're putting it off and you're trying to hold out because it's awful. You just have to rip the bandaid off and stand in that queue or apply online and get your financial situation sorted out. I know for myself, I had all of these things that were like direct debits and subscriptions and things in my bank happening in my, you know, my bank accounts that I was like burying my head in the sand thinking, oh, you know, and then it was just giving me this awful anxiety. And then I was like, I just have to go through my bank statement, figure out all the places that I'm direct debiting, you know, transferring money across to and, and cancel them. And it was horrible and hard, but once I did it, I felt such an ease, like far out all of those bills that I was just paying, those little monthly subscriptions and all these things. They're gone for the moment and now I can breathe a bit easier and heading into Centrelink and saying, you know, please process my application because my business is now, you know, taking in a lot less clients because it was a physical business and my other work was teaching. So 
they're not fun places to go. They're not fun tasks to do. But I mean, once you do them, things do feel a heck of a lot easier. And my mental health has definitely improved since I went through and just I made Ranjit sit with me because it was something that just was such a terrifying block to me that I was like, I don't want to look at my finances, which is why I went to Amanda's talk in the first place. <laughs> but once I did it and I just looked, took the Band-Aid off, looked at looked in my th- what the actual reality of my finances was and was like, okay, things are bad, but now they're a lot less bad than before I looked at them, which is a freaking relief. So definitely have a look at your finances if you're avoiding it like I was. Just get someone to sit with you if you can. Like get a family, go onto Skype or WhatsApp with your family if you live alone and say, please, like I had, to, I was so nervous saying to Renji, look, baby, <laughs> I think that I've got lots of subscriptions online that I can't afford to pay right now. I don't want to look at it. I'm terrified. And he was just, you know, okay, I'll sit with you. I'll sit with you and we'll just do it. To-. I said to him, actually, you'll have to sit with me because I am so anxious about sitting down and doing this. And he did. And it was fucking t- tedious. It took hours. But then I did it and I feel much, much, much better as a result. So if that's something that you're struggling with, highly recommend just facing the elephant in the room and getting into your finances and having a look and then getting a mental health care plan and some Valium for yourself (laughs) because it is really anxiety provoking. I'm not actually suggesting you do get Valium unless, of course, your doctor prescribes it for you. But yes, highly recommend having a look and having a look at all the areas where you're like, oh my gosh, this is bringing up. It's a great time to clear out those things that you've been neglecting or avoiding because we have a little bit more time on our hands because we're not seeing anyone that we love and care about. So if you've got that cupboard that needs clearing out or those things that need selling or anything that's causing you just lie awake with insomnia, like my finances were causing me. Take a big breath. I'll hold your hand and we'll do it together because it just makes this experience a significant percentage better when there's not a whole other heap of demigorgons hiding in your closet waiting to, metaphorical demigorgons hiding in your closet that you usually block out with socialising and help supporting your community or working or eating or drinking alcohol or smoking cigarettes. So once you face the demigorgon, you don't need, you don't feel this all so heavily is what I've found. I hope that that's good information for you. If it is good information for you, leave me a message. Send me a message and say, I'm glad that you tacked that ramble on to the end of the podcast because I needed to hear that (laughs) because otherwise my kids are just hiding out in their bedroom with Ranjit, reading them Count Ducula for no reason. But that just came to me to speak to you about. So I hope that that was relevant to one of you. If you've lost your job, I say get out your bank statements, find out all the places that you're bleeding money, cancel your subscriptions. It'll make you feel a lot better. All right. I love you. Thank you for listening. And I will see you all next week. Thanks again, Amanda. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? 
Riding with you in the sunnier day